Hey guys, Mike here. Hey, on this episode, I go over some early season hunting stuff and some uh, low water situations that we've been running into and kind of my feelings about it, especially on uh, Lake Marburg here in Pennsylvania, uh, a local lake here to us. Something that I just recently started utilizing uh, early last year at the beginning of the season and watched this thing drain itself last year substantially. Uh, not drain itself, uh, the dam drained the lake uh, substantially uh, to upkeep with a local trout stream. And uh, so long story short, this year it's way lower um, and we're actually running out of room to hunt, to fish, habitat for fish and wildlife and things of that nature. Uh, so I just want to go over some of that stuff uh, on my own, do a little solo episode today. Um, also, Big shout out to Swamp Stick. Uh, everybody knows Swamp, St Swamp Stick has been a sponsor of the podcast for a long time now. And uh, we love those guys over there. And we love our Swamp Stick products. Uh, super cool. Um, awesome product. We use it. Use code MAMP10 at checkout. That'll get you 10% off. Um, tell them I sent you. Also, Triptych Multi-Tool. Um, check out the Triptych Multi-Tool. Look, everybody used to use the finisher. Um, that powdered metal bullshit, uh, they're colored to look like the U S flag or colored to look like Pokemon or colored to look like whatever else. Here, here's the deal guys. Uh, triptic multi-tool is a machined piece of metal. It does the same job except for it does multiple other jobs as well. Uh, if you were a shotgun hunter and a uh, really cool product, a cheaper product and, uh, a badass product. So we love them. Check them out. All right. Thanks guys. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, Mike here. Hey, on this episode of, po of the podcast, I'm going to go over a few different things you heard in the intro, and uh, I'm going to start though with some early season catch up. Uh, I know everybody uh, hasn't heard about what has happened so far this year. Um, this uh, with my wife and I's new business, I didn't really get to do much early season goose hunting, and so um, actually none at all this year. So uh, I've been busy, busy with work. Uh, it's really cool having our own business. You guys didn't know, local business here in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Check it out. Junk Clear, we do full real estate preparation. This isn't just a junk removal company. Uh, we do everything from clean outs to cleanups to landscaping to power washing to interior to whatever you need to get your home or rental property prepped for sale or rent. Um, we do it all. 
So check us out. Junk Clear, all one word, junkclearpa.com. Um, so early duck season, uh, we definitely wanted to start by doing some wood duck hunting. My buddy Matt, who's been hunting with me a good bit, um, we decided that, you know, or I decided that my goal this early season was to get him a wood duck uh, on the Monoxy River. We got some private spots and and then we got some areas to float. And so we decided that's what we were going to do. Um, we did, uh, without him on the podcast, I'm not going to get into everything because he had a gun malfunction and some other stuff, but it took us two separate days. We finally got him that first, that Drake. We, uh, we were waiting it out and finally got a Drake. And for him, we could have shot some other birds and didn't. And so, uh, but really cool. Uh, he got his first bird, got a drake and a hen, really. Uh, we all shot the same birds. They landed in the decoys. But uh, so a uh, really, really cool hunt. Um, and to, to have him kill his first wood duck, really sweet. Um, and then we went uh, we went out on a float on the Monoxy. Monoxy water levels were low. Um, this time of year, the, uh, this year, it's it's been lower than normal. And uh, we have a lot of grass grass beds and stuff that are normally underwater that are sticking up out of water now and um even hunting from shore we had to do some moving around but we made it work uh, and then when we did the float uh we went down river a ways probably five miles six seven miles from where we were hunting at and um we did a, a six mile float took us six and a half hours did a lot of dragging um but uh still pretty fun we still had some some long stretches of moving water and uh we also didn't get down as low as we should have uh we really should have probably gotten down lower and we didn't but it is what it is uh a lot more guys hunting down lower and we saw some birds long story short matt had another gun malfunction and but whatever um still had a lot of fun and plan on doing that a little bit more probably this year um probably early late season probably early december we might try to pull another one of those off when there's a little bit more variation of birds in the area a little bit more birds in the area so uh hopefully we get a nice winter winter push up in canada before december this year that would be nice so we don't have to wait until freaking christmas again this year but anyway uh so that's early season that's what's been going on um I'm going to trans into the meat, transition into the meat and potatoes of this episode, something I want to go over. Um, I understand. I, I know that, like, Cadoris is regulated. I, I understand that Cadoris State Park, Lake Marburg, is regulated. Um, and there are plans in place by the state, uh, the state government and um, DCNR and, and whoever else and the Boating Commission, whatever. Um, I know that there are plans in place between them and... Um, and the spring grove paper plant on the spring grove paper plant. Uh, I don't believe still goes under the name Glatfelter. I think it's pixel now. Um, it is owned by an investor group <laughs> who'd have thought, but so I want to start out, um, by saying, I understand absolutely that this lake is regulated. It's regulated for stream, uh, depth that they, they have, they have trout in this stream and native trout and, and all this stuff, all these yada, yada. And so down this stream, they have all these fish, these native trout so, and probably stocked along the way somewhere. So they want to keep water in the, in these, uh, stream systems. And that's understandable. So the water that comes into 
said uh, lake from the upper side, um, the, the couple streams that run in there and then stormwater runoff and the small trickle creeks and uh, spring heads and things like that. Over time, that all runs into the lake. Um, so I, knowing all that, I understand that the lake gets drained. Um, I understand that scientists were paid to make plans. Um, the problem is, and first and foremost, is I don't trust Pennsylvania to make a fucking storm uh, water plan whatsoever. Um, that's first and foremost. Uh, they were just sued, I think, last year or the year before by um, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation um, and the EPA. Uh, it was the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, Pennsylvania State, and the EPA um, were all within this lawsuit where uh, Chesapeake Bay Foundation pretty much told all the states connected to the Chesapeake Bay, all the way up to New York. Look, you need to put together a plan for runoff, erosion control, and for um, pollution. And so guess what state failed to meet the criteria and ended up getting sued? Well, Pennsylvania. Um, I used to work in stormwater management around the Chesapeake Bay uh, for 10 years. I understand uh, water and water management. And I understand that Pennsylvania, I knew straight from the source, uh, the, some of the people we were working with in the upper Chesapeake Bay were telling us, yeah, Pennsylvania just doesn't pull their weight. They don't give a shit. And so I know just from that factor that I, I don't trust Pennsylvania to make um, plans and put systems in place to thoroughly and correctly take care of water systems. So that's, I want to, I want to preface by saying that I understand that Pennsylvania just doesn't do the best job that they could. And, uh, that's a proven fact. I'm not just talking out of my ass. It's proven because they didn't even go to court. They went to settlement um, because they were like, fuck us. And now I talk to home builders locally to us like J.A. Myers, and they're putting in more water facilities and larger stormwater facilities than they ever had more intricate stormwater facilities than they ever had. And they're looking for people to help them do these because, uh, you know, other States are on their ass for not, uh, playing their part. So it's all super quick. They want it all done super quick. So that's the preface. Um, this is kind of just what I, I knew coming into it. Now, last year we were hunting and, um, Look, I don't fish. I saltwater fish a good bit. And so my parents have a place down Shingatig. A lot of people know. And um, we saltwater fish. We go to the bay. Um, I just grew up doing that stuff. So, And I grew up catfishing on rivers and bass fishing on rivers. But we weren't big lake people. And so this was my really my first engulfing experience uh, in a lake. And when I, you know, last year we first started hunting there, we scouted in August, early August. Dylan and I had scouted, and uh, where we had scouted, a couple of the spots that we had scouted, um, where we were able to tuck like our hunting kayaks that a lot of you have seen our builds, um, we were able to tuck our kayaks into actual vegetation, like along the bank and, and in the water. And so, uh, when we went back, we, we were working in Maryland Then I, I did not work for myself at that point. And we were working in Maryland 
And so when I went back like a month later, I was like jaw drop, eyes wide open, like where where did all this water go? Like it it was a ton of it was so much water. And we were like, come on, like seriously, like this much water has dropped and it seemed fishy. And uh, there were like 20 more. Yeah, uh, I think there was like that point 90. 85 or 90 inches of rainfall that year something like that and and so anyway so we were we're like what the hell's going on here and look i know i know it's regulated i knew it was regulated from the start because i had talked to guys who hunted there prior and they told me the spiel like how this all works and what goes down um and a couple of them live right up the street from the lake and so uh last year i remember them being like yeah it, it is it is pretty low um this year but you know, not much worse than times past. And I was like, eh, that's stupid because like all this land here and uh, all this, this area and this water's down this low. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, so, but then, uh, this year, I, um, this year it's just super low. Like there is a bridge showing that last year, the top of the sidewalls on the bridge, the concrete sidewalls, I got stuck on it like 5 a.m. in the morning paddling across the lake from a launch, right? So I get stuck on this bridge and I almost flipped my kayak one morning. Uh, funny now at the moment in the freezing ass cold, it wasn't that funny, but because uh, I was by myself. But uh, so anyway, I get stuck on this thing last year. It's so low that this year there were guys with last week, I watched a guy set up cameras below that bridge on ground that was dry enough for them to sit on and set up tripods and take and hide use it as a backdrop and take pictures of mallards teal and white herons and some some other shorebirds and things flying in and out i watched and feeding i watched them set up like that while i was scouting and i thought huh like this is that low and it's been that low that these guys are sitting on dry ground using this entire bridge as a backdrop. And last year I thought the water was low and I got caught on top the concrete wall on this bridge. Uh, it was about four inches below water level. And so that is the severity of the, the water level this year. Um, and so like the drought, I, I keep hearing the term drought. Um, thrown around and yet it's not actually a drought yet in this area um i do know that like on uh droughtmonitor.unl.edu um atoms in york county right now are considered abnormally low it's just below the normal level it's abnormally low it's not in any sort of drought situation or tier yet um and all the counties north of us are not in a drought right now. Um, so that is, that's a little funny to me. Uh, seems a little odd. Um, the dam itself is. Us, so any, any of the creeks that enter um, this lake, if these decisions were science based, the creeks that run into this lake and then 
obviously feed the lake, which then through the dam system feeds Cadoras Creek below the dam, which is considered the native trout stream, right? So you have um you have the west branch, which is Cador of Cadoras Creek. You have Furnace Creek, you have the you have Long Run, and then you have the small creek that runs into Wilderson Flats. And then you have all the stormwater runoff and springhead runoff. Um, and obviously, if water levels are low, you aren't going to have your springhead runoff and you aren't going to have as much stormwater runoff. But uh, all of the small creeks are still running at a certain pace. They are still running. Um, the one at a furnace branch, um, for instance, last year was doing the same thing. It's It may be three inches running but it's running quickly and it's running into the lake at all times. Um, and then there's obviously, I, I named other ones. Those are also running into said lake. Um, so the lake itself, I do not understand. And obviously I'm not a scientist. I do not understand um, how this lake is not self-sustaining. Why there isn't enough water running into said lake to support the creek system below. Now, I have to circle back now and talk about something that's very important in this puzzle. There's a piece of this puzzle, a very big, greasy, money, green piece of this puzzle that is the dam. And the dam was built by the Glatfelter Paper Company Gladfelter Paper Company owned it until 2018. Gladfelter Paper Company is a is over 1.1 is worth over 1.1 billion dollars on the New York Stock Exchange, still listed as GTL, it is still an active company. Now, Gladfelter Paper sold in 2018. So up until 2018, we know that Gladfelter was pushing revenue for investors because the, they have they're listed on the fucking New York Stock Exchange. So we know for a fact that profit is king. We know for a fact what the NYSE does. We know what having a stock, a major blue chip player, we know what stocks like this do. They push revenue for investor dollars. This, this equation isn't any different than any other major business in the United States. So we know that. Um, I don't have to like try to pull your leg to get you to fucking understand. We, 95% of America, when you say the New York Stock Exchange and someone's listed, you're like, yeah, it's probably something greasy with that company. Because there normally is. Um, this is where all that's where all the s- sketchy, schemy little fucking money situations come out of, is all these major player companies. So Gladfelter was that until 2018. They owned the, the paper mill. They sold it in 2018 to Lindsey Goldberg Group, which is an investor group, which is a smaller group of investors. Um so it sold to the Lindsey Goldberg Group investor group, money driven. Then uh, in 2022, another investor group 
Um, it was an affiliate of the HIG Capital LLC. They bought the company um, from the Lindsay Group. Um, they are an investor group, HIG. They are an investor group. Um, it Again, this is money-driven. Um, I, In my opinion, and look, I know that a, there are a lot of people who understand that there are systems in place by the state of Pennsylvania and by the Spring Grove paper mill, uh, whoever owns it, and they're working together to keep the native trout stream full, and they're working together to keep that paper mill running. Um, years ago in the late 90s, there were a bunch of impoundment systems uh, shut down um, for pollution at the Gladfelder Paper Company. I didn't look any farther into it than that. I know that some of them were sludge pitch, pits and things like that. Um, but I do know that like 17 of 18 or 18 and 19 were shut down by the EPA. So, um, and, and there have been is instances since then over the years of contamination um, by the paper, the paper mill. Um, and then they get, they get everything squared away and then it's back to square one and they start over and then they get caught four or five years later or something will happen. It's a little something pops up. It, it gets dealt with. Um, and I read, this is on like the EPA, EPA.org or whatever. Like I read this on the EPA's website. Um, these were files of the Gladfelter paper company in, in spring growth. Uh, so, but I know that, you know, uh, Gladfelter, um, has had to close up a bunch of those in the late nineties. And I'm sure that plays a role, um, in, you know, how quickly you can make the paper, how much money that you can, you can make. And then therefore, you know, using the water from the stream makes a lot more sense when you don't have your impoundments to utilize. So, or as many impoundments to utilize, I'll say. So, um, you know, now you have the paper company drawing out of the Creek and, in order for them to do that and for the native trout streams to hold the low, the higher oxygen, lower temperature levels that they need for trout, as well as lat filter to keep pumping water to continue, continue, continue to make money over. Actually, it's called the pixel company, pixels, paper, whatever the fuck. So now for them to do it. They have to continually pump, which means through even if it's even if it is a drought or if it's just abnormally low, either way, the fact that the paper company decided in the 1960s, the early to mid 1960s, they come up with this plan, right? Obviously, it was early 1960s when somebody said, hey, I got an idea. Hey, let's put all this fucking water up here, right? but we'll build the dam. But here's the deal. When we need water, we're pumping it from the stream. And Pennsylvania was like, sweet, dude. Sweet. We'll have all this. We only got to bury like 40 houses underneath this lake. And then we'll have all this sweet ass area for people to recreationally utilize. And Gladfelter paid for it with 1960s money. And then I don't know if you guys know the word inflation, but I, I don't know if you know what that means. But now that bitch is paid for 
And that same company, those same facilities are still utilizing the perks of putting in that dam in the 1960s, right? Okay, cool. The dam's there. There's a lake here for everybody to utilize. Let's get past the fact that the paper company is obviously going to do what is best to line their pockets. And let's get past the fact that they make buku money doing all of this. And everybody just says, that's how it is. They own the dam. Let's just get past that fact. Because what I really want to talk about, I want to lay all that out. Because what I really want to talk about is the problems and concerns that I have, the problems I see with it. Um, there's just some really creepy shit going on. I mean, th when you think about, you know, I'm just going to start out as a fisherman. Obviously, it's a lake. When people think lake, they probably first think fishing um, and boating. Right. So for boating and fishing access, yeah, you can still get in the lake, but it looks like dog shit and there's a bunch of shit sticking up out of the water. And if you enjoy boating on the lake, boohoo looks like dog shit and you don't have as much water to run around on. Um, if you like fishing on the lake, well, there are less, there's less habitat and structure because a lot of the shallower water areas. Well, they're out of the water. And now all your fish are congregated toward the middle of the lake um, into these deeper cuts of water, these deeper shelves. You don't have as much flat habitat for fish to thrive on. Um, you, you have a lot of drop-off. And then, obviously, anybody who's been there out toward the dam, that area of the lake, super deep. But these areas of the lake... All right, it's just funny. It's funny how much of this lake is not usable for fishing and for recreational boating. So that aside, uh, well, actually, no, before I get away from that, uh, ironically enough, uh, a few years back, uh, striper fingerling were introduced and they wanted to establish a striper population because one, it would help get rid of the uh, abnormal amount of white perch in the lake along, along with some other fish. I can't remember exactly what all was in there, maybe some shad and things. And then, uh, I was like gizzard shad. And, and, but also, um, obviously it could be a sport fish and people love catching striper. Striper are fun. You control for them. Um, which is a whole nother experience. Uh, they're a fun fight. Uh, they get big, like, you know, they're fun fish, right? So, you're taking all of these fish that stay up in the shallower areas that stay in the vegetation that is now rotting off in the sun because it is no longer underwater and blah, blah, blah. You're taking all those areas away and you're pushing fish every year, every end of summer when the water can get hotter in August and into September, you shove all the fish down into deeper depths because you're losing water level. Um, every year this happens here. So that to me, number one, seems like a problem and a concern. Um, I feel that as people who use it recreationally, more fishermen should be saying, Hey, look, 
like we get you got to it has to be dropped but like this is ridiculous like there has to be something said about the amount of goddamn water coming out of this lake um so and i'm not even a fisherman there other than yeah i'm i'm sure i'll get to take my my kids there and maybe try to catch some sunnies and things but i'm not a big freshwater lake fisherman it's just not for me it's not my thing it's just like pond fishing i I could give a shit. I, it doesn't matter. Like it, it whatever. Uh, but, and, but that's just one portion of it. And there are a lot of people who utilize that portion of it. Um, it seems like the bait fish probably don't have as many areas to live when you get rid of all the shallow areas of water and all the thick, dense vegetation that grows in those shallower areas of water where sunlight can get to the bottom. And then, you know, you're losing habitat for bait fish, but Hey, that's just, I'm not a scientist. Maybe the bait fish thrive on the rocky bottom and the pebble bottom. I don't, maybe the bass don't eat them there. I don't know. Um, maybe they build little huts out of rocks and they live in those. Um, but here's one that strikes me. Um, just, just as somebody who's like, I'm a waterfowl hunter and everybody knows that who's listening to the podcast. I'm a big waterfowl hunter. I spend a lot of my time on the Chesapeake Bay. I spend a lot of my time hunting locally in Maryland here. Um, we hunt the Monoxy River. We go to the Potomac, things of that nature, right? So we're in these areas. Uh, I hunt Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Virginia. I'm in these areas all the time. Um, and Everywhere else I've ever hunted, even if the water levels are low, even if there's a drought, I've never had an issue anywhere in in salt marshes or on the open bay or on rivers, whatever, even creeks. Like creeks get dry, but we still shoot woodies on them. Like I've never had a situation, hunting situation, where I can say that the water levels are actually like detrimental to hunting the hunting situation and for a few reasons but the number one or or the first one i want to touch on is simply just the lower the water the less water the less water the less birds that want to hang out um if you take and dry up all the flats that are full of vegetation then there are less birds that want to hang out there because there's less food. That's just a simple concept. Like it's just simple rule of fucking thumb. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking geese at nearly as much as I'm talking ducks. Um, geese will, they, they like to thrive. They, they like to hang out and then go to a cut football field and eat grass in September. Like that's, that's not the case guys. Um, they'll find, they'll find crop fields, a half mile away and they'll hit those crop fields when they start getting cut. Um, but ducks like ducks in general, man, last year there was a flat that wasn't completely dry. It was about half dry last year. And I, and honestly that was just like the quote unquote Creek area, um, that was up during the summertime. But, um, this flat was now it's probably three quarters still it's three quarters of a solid water on it. At one point during early duck season, I'm not at all exaggerating. I'm not kidding. Um, I've hunted the bay. I know duck numbers. I I counted scouting 
I counted about six, 60. No, I'm lying. I am lying because I was, it was early goose. I was goose hunting by myself and it was real foggy that morning. I watched somewhere between the numbers of 60 and 80. I kept losing count mallards and black ducks. And then a couple groups of wood ducks come into this flat. I was hunting away from the flat and I watched all this happen. They all flew in and landed and were feeding where the vegetation was about a foot, foot and a half below this water level. That's how many birds were hanging out in there because the water levels were high enough to grow the underwater vegetation and give those ducks somewhere to go eat. When you get rid of that water, you get rid of the birds. I just, I, I just, I've scouted a few times this year. I have yet to see nearly that amount of ducks. Um, and that's just, Hey, that's just what I've seen. Maybe one of you listening that hunts Cadoras hunt, hunts Lake Marburg. Uh, don't tell me, keep it to yourself. If you've done the scouting and you found them good for you, maybe there's somewhere back there. Maybe there's somewhere deep where there's like 40 to 60 birds, ducks. Good. Great. I don't see them and I've glassed and drove around at daylight before daylight set in the middle of the lake, multiple positions, multiple mornings, and I'm not seeing the numbers. Um, that is a detriment to that resource. Um, so not only that guys, but last year we were already guys who had draw. I didn't have a draw blind. And that's okay. Guys who were hunting the draw blinds were already probably about eight to 10 yards from the waterline. Uh, and then obviously you're set and spread. Birds aren't normally landing right on the shoreline. So, you know, your, your closest shot being 20 to 25 yards in the kill hole. Um, if that's how you're setting decoys. Um, Obviously, shooting birds that land at the edge of your decoys at 40 yards, 35 to 45 yards, not ideal, leads to a lot more wounded birds, um, leads to a lot of birds not found, um, leads to a lot more unethical shots. Dylan and I, because we were in the kayaks, we had to use the woods line. We were hunting about 12-ish yards from the waterline. We had to get so damn creative with decoy spreads just to try to get close enough or get the birds to come close enough to us to make ethical shots. Now, granted, we tried our luck some different ways, and we will this year again. Um, I've got some different plans in the works and we're working on some systems that will allow us this year, especially late season, early season. We've had fun in Maryland and I might, I might even just end my year out in Maryland and, and whatever, but late season, I go to the Bay a lot. I do a lot of diver hunting, but if I get time and I can't go to the Bay or plans get canceled, I want to be able to use the resource that I paid 
my hunting license dollars to utilize. So I'm going to utilize Kodoris, right? So um, we have some systems that we've been working on and putting in place to uh, to try to kill more birds this year. We're, I love experimenting. I love DIYing, and that's what we do a lot of. And uh, so this year, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a lot of fun doing it. But it's it's very much a shame that I have to go uh, to this extent to, you know, try to waterfowl hunt. And this lake, on top of all of that, this lake is a common courtesy lake. It's just like uh, my parents' place in Shingateague. All those marshes are that are public around uh, the Shingateague Bay, it's common courtesy. Look, you can hunt wherever you want, set up wherever you want. Uh, if someone's 50 yards from you, just don't do it. Like, don't be a dick. Well, and that's how Lake Marburg is. And there are also the draw blinds, which they added draw blinds. Um, this lake is already late, late season, especially. I noticed this, especially late season. Crowded. It's crowded. The lake is not nearly big enough. Uh, for the amount of hunters late season, it's kind of embarrassing if you sit like on one point and you look down and you just you're watching birds fly up and you just hear different quacks and they're probably all echo inserts like <laughs> the whole fucking way up. We just we would just crack up. We just knew it was ha- what was happening. It was it was the funniest shit. But you know that is the that's just how it is. It's severely crowded, right? So. With it being that crowded and it being a lake that you can sit up anywhere you want and it being less birds <laughs> and the food all being out of the water and drying up and like just consistently this all compiles and it makes for a, a shittier condition for locals who want to utilize the lake uh, recreationally and hunting is one of those recreational uh, sports. You know, it's something that people do on the lake, just like fishing, which this has had an impact on. And then obviously hiking and bird watching and, you know, uh, photography. There's a lot of people who take pictures out there. It's something I've never seen at that rate before. I've never seen it like that around the bay or anything, but I don't know. Anyway, there's all, it's cool, but there's a lot of people who take pictures of, you know, waterfowl and, uh, and all that good stuff, shorebirds and, and nature. And obviously, if you're taking pictures, the more water, if the more water equals the more waterfowl, the more waterfowl equals the more opportunities for pictures and things. So it, it takes a toll on, on what they're doing as well. Um, but um, I want to end this on a, a note that this is this is what um, was bothering me first when I first thought about this. This is the first thing that really bothered me. Um, you know the amount of, of tax dollars that are spent every year um, to maintain Lake Marburg um, and the amount of uh, uh, tax dollars that uh, are, are spent here to, to the amount of tax dollars that are spent here to maintain this place. Um, so if you're someone who recreationally utilizes it, just remember that your tax dollars, and especially if you are a hunter or a fisherman, your tax, the money from your licenses pays for this shit. 
right? So you should be concerned with the fact that your money is being utilized for this lake. But hey, if they need to they need to drop this thing, fuck you, they're dropping it. Fuck you, they're dropping it. You, you know, see what I mean? Like, yes, of course I want that trout stream to hold native trout. Am I a trout fisherman? No, I think it's a dinky-ass way of fishing. I think that they're a useless, bony-ass fish. But if you enjoy doing it, you enjoy doing it. It's just like bird watching. I don't fucking bird watch. But it's cool that people do it. I want that trout stream to hold trout. But I don't want it to be a fucking detriment to this entire lake. And don't act like a system put in place by Blattfelter and the Pennsylvania state government during a time period while in some states black people couldn't ride on the same bus as white people. Um, don't act like because of a uh, something a system put in place back then in the 1960s that I'm supposed to think that now it's okay that Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, who was sued by the Chesapeake Bay Foundation because they couldn't get a plan together to take care of runoff, pollution, uh, their water system, that I'm supposed to believe that it's all hunky-dory and, and everything's, uh, everything's beautiful and, and this is how it's supposed to be. I think that these water levels, yes, they're going to be dropped every year. I understand that they're regulated, but I think that these water levels are substantially lower than they need to be because of the paper mill and the system and the lined pockets and, and the, the greased hands and what's going on. Um, that's just point blank. That's what I think of it. Um, I've been around this shit for long enough. I'm a business owner myself. I can tell you that it's all about who you know and whose ass you kiss. And if Gladfelter and the Pennsylvania government and now Pixel if they've all been shaking each other's hands and going to each other's uh, Christmas parties and laughing at the amount of water they've pumped out of the creek to make X amount of dollars over the last 10 years, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, I, I cannot believe that there are people who don't think that there's hinky shit going on. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, just as everybody says, you know, everybody who wants to put the blinders on say, it is what it is. Well, it is what it is. You know, what, what, it, what are the common folk going to do? Um, I guess keep shooting at birds in your decoys at 40 yards and losing your fishing areas. All right, guys, be sure to reach out with any questions, concerns, or if you'd like to tell me to eat a fucking bag of dicks, uh, be sure to reach out. Give the podcast a follow. Give the social medias a follow. We're always doing cool shit. If anybody on here uh, would like listening right now would like to be on the podcast like to talk about some of this shit um would like to talk about anything hunting fishing i don't give a shit crabbing whatever um the u.s government i don't care hop on here we're anarchists uh, we'll talk about whatever you want <laughs> no i'm just checking but really uh yeah anybody wants to be on for sure um hit me up uh reach out shoot me a message and we'll talk about it i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast um if you did tell your friends about it um, if you see me around, give me a wave. I'm in the blue F one fifty for now. I might be getting a new truck soon, but I'm in the blue F one fifty for now. I got the mountain and marsh brown mountain and marsh sticker on the back window. Um big truck brewing sticker, coast of some other shit. But uh yeah, I'm around junk clear tag on the front. Um if you see me, 
give me a shout. Uh, let me know how you did. Um, I like to see people do good. I love when people uh, kill new species or start waterfowl hunting, kill their first waterfowl. That's what it's all about, guys. And uh, that's what I enjoy most. So um, that was just my two cents. Peace out, everybody.